Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this evening and uh, thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that uh, you'd be with us, uh, that uh, your spirit would be with us so that we would be taught by you and that we'd grow in the knowledge of uh, your holy word and of you and of your son, uh, that we would grow in our hope and uh, faith and uh, confidence uh, in, in your gospel, in the good news, and that uh, you give us uh, boldness uh, and equip us uh, to proclaim uh, the excellencies and the salvation of your son. And so we thank you for these things and pray that they'd be to your honor and glory. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so tonight we're back in Numbers chapter 11. And we've just been looking at uh, the life and the offices of uh, God's servant, Moses. And so we've been, really as kind of a precursor to studying the book of Genesis, we've been doing uh, an overview of the, the Torah. So five, five books of Moses, uh, and really look at Moses uh, as the mediator who gave the, the Torah, through whom uh, God gave uh, the, the law and the covenant to the people. And we've been seeing that Moses is uh, just like the corporate offices in Deuteronomy 17 and 18. Uh, Moses is a, well, everyone knows he's a prophet uh, in, in 18, but uh, he's God's uh, judge. Uh, he's uh, a priest. Um, we haven't looked so much at that, but even with the uh, establishing of Aaron and his sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu, uh, and later uh, Eliezer and Ithamar, after Nadab and Abihu uh, die in fire for offering strange fire uh, to the Lord, that Moses uh, really was the, the mediator who gave the law uh, to the people. Uh, after the people said, don't have God speak to us uh, from heaven with thunder and trumpets and lightning and fire, uh, but have him speak to you, you speak to us, we'll listen. And he was, he was the one who made uh, the covenant, was the mediator between God uh, and the people, and who sprinkled the blood on the people. Uh, he's the one who offered purifying sacrifices uh, in establishing and putting together uh, the tabernacle and putting all the implements and such in there uh, and doing purification rituals and sacrifices for Aaron and his sons so that they could then serve and minister as priests. And he served uh, in the tabernacle and God revealed himself uh, and spoke to him uh, even in a theophany uh, in the, the tabernacle and the, the tent of meeting. And so... He was, God's, uh, he was God's authoritative representative prophet, his spokesman, uh, to, uh, to the people. And we began to see that in Exodus chapter, around chapter 3, with uh, the burning bush at Mount Sinai. Uh, and even went so far as to say, metaphorically, that uh, I'll give you Aaron, and he'll be your prophet, and you'll be as God to him. So as, as, Mo, as God is God over Moses, uh, having Aaron as his prophet, uh, as his mouth, uh, 
he gave authority to Moses over Aaron and Moses under, uh, under God. Uh, and then we, we're starting to see and look at Moses as judge. And we began to see that in Exodus chapter 18 before they got to Mount Sinai. Uh, right before, and uh, Jethro uh, came and saw Moses judging uh, all, the, all the people, uh, but uh, foolishly he was doing it all by himself. And so uh, Jethro recommended appointing uh, other judges over the people uh, under, under God and to be taught, taught by him. Uh, and we're going to be seeing that link up now with Numbers 11 on the, the other side. Uh, their judges were appointed over... Uh, from the, the elders and the heads of the, the people, the clans, the tribes, uh, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and uh, tens, uh, from just small, small groups and uh, maybe more local families and clans, uh, all the way up to the tribes and uh, to, to Moses and to God. And we'll also be looking more uh, next week, uh, we'll, we'll see more about Moses' prophet, and we'll see a little bit of that uh, tonight. A lot of these things overlap. But we'll also see that there was a sense uh, in which uh, Moses was, in his own day, a king over the people. Uh, now, it wasn't the Davidic line uh, to come, and he certainly wasn't from Saul's line, uh, but he was as a king over the people uh, in his own day. And we'll, we'll see that, uh, for instance, in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 33. Uh, and uh, we even saw kind of glimpses of that where he said, uh, God said, I'll make you uh, God, Elohim, to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh will be under you. Pharaoh's the king of Egypt, uh, perhaps uh, the greatest civilization and empire of that time. And, but Moses is put over Pharaoh, uh, the, king, the king of Egypt, uh, as God's rep representative, as his steward and his, his servant. Uh, and Moses stood before them uh, and said that the, the people would come out in Pharaoh and bow down before him and give him tribute. Not because Moses is so great, but because God appointed him and sent him as his spokesman. Uh, so uh, those are some of the key corporate offices in Israel, a lot of times uh, people speak about Jesus as being, uh, I think normally the order people give is prophet, priest, king. Uh, but the order in Deuteronomy 17, 18, uh, judge, I think priest, uh, or it could be king, priest, uh, prophet uh, together. And even the judges and the priests uh, and the, the king, too, uh, they served certain uh, judicial functions uh, in, in Israel. And so uh, it's important background for understanding uh, these corporate offices because God is going to make Israel a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, even the people, on some level, fill these, these offices as God's representatives. They have a high priest, and they have a high priest in heaven. Uh, the, the, the angel of, of Yahweh, I mean, God himself is, is the, the ultimate priest and uh, Christ, uh, the, uh, Jesus Christ, the, the God-man. Uh, he's, he's our uh, heavenly, uh, well, heavenly uh, judge and king and priest and uh, prophet. 
uh, but the people, uh, they, they, had, uh, they had a chief, chief priest, they, they had kings, uh, they had prophets. Uh, some of them were uh, greater than others, like Elijah, Elisha, Samuel, uh, Moses. Uh, but uh, they themselves were to make God known to all of the wayward uh, nations, and they were to be intermediaries and uh, to, to minister, to serve, uh, to offer God's sacrifices and make them known to all of the nations. And so it's really critical that as you read through, we've kind of spoken about that sometimes some of these passages can be oversimplified a bit. Uh, sometimes maybe we're too, we, maybe we, we mostly read the New Testament, don't, don't read the Old Testament, um, maybe a whole, whole lot. And you might read a, a passage uh, applied to Jesus and uh, we, we think that, you know, we fully, fully grasp what's going on there. And so, well, just must have to do with Jesus and no one else. And, you know, you don't have to read uh, Deuteronomy 17 and 18, like in, in context. But the biblical authors and the New Testament authors, they assumed all of this background. They assumed that their audiences knew the Old Testament extremely well. Uh, and so there are things they took for granted and seeing these corporate offices and that sinners, uh, individually and collectively, uh, the Israelites were, were to fulfill these, uh, fill these offices, but sinners can never bring them to the fullness of the expectation of God and God alone is the truly perfect, righteous, and just judge, uh, the, the righteous king, uh, the faithful priest, uh, the one who speaks his own word uh, with ultimate authority. Uh, and uh, those prophets who speak, uh, that God speaks through and they speak inherently, they get it from God. Uh, God, God is he's a speaking God, all the way from creation to Mount Sinai. Uh, he, he speaks, uh, and Jesus uh, Christ, I mean, the Son of God came, took on flesh, uh, was uh, born from the Virgin Mary, becoming the God-man, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and God with us, speaking uh, right, right, right before us. And so uh, these offices are very important for understanding Moses, but also the whole unfolding of Scripture, and that Christ individually and corporately fills all of these offices, the covenants, the promises, the expectations, and he fulfills them individually and corporately, meaning He's going to establish Israel as a holy and righteous nation, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and the nations will walk in their light. Uh, you have the 12 foundations for the 12 apostles and the, the 12 gates for the 12 tribes united uh, in Israel uh, to make God known in the world, and the nations will walk in their light. That's the end of Revelation. And so even uh, Phinehas, uh, Eliezer's son, uh, Phinehas, who's high priest, God made a covenant with him uh, toward the end of Numbers. On uh, his later descendant Zadok and uh, David, especially Solomon's day, he's going to establish uh, Zadok. He, he's going to establish uh, the nation uh, in the people so that they'll fulfill God's purposes, but only, only in Christ. Uh, he's, he's the one that brings all of these things to their fullness. Uh, and We'll even see things, and we'll get right to our text, but 
for instance, as you read throughout and you see the disappointments with Moses, God will say he's faithful in all my house. But we also see he's a sinner. And he won't be able to enter the promised land. At 120 years, like the generation of the flood, cut off. You won't enter. Uh, The first generation won't enter. Caleb and Joshua, uh, your sons and daughters whom you said would be a prey in the land, uh, I'll appoint Joshua, he'll take them in. And so Moses couldn't enter the promised land at at that time. Now, one day you'll be in the kingdom uh, that, uh, that Christ establishes, uh, but uh, he couldn't enter, and we saw that. Aaron's very imperfect. Uh, he, he, made a, he made a golden calf for the people, and God judged, he judged the people for whom Aaron made a golden calf. Struck him down, but he, he forgave Aaron. Uh, and so uh, there are things that you'll see that uh, Israel... Israel's even likened to where you see Judah in which the, the kingship is, like in uh, Genesis 49. Uh, you, have, you have this uh, poem of blessing that Jacob gives uh, looking to the days to come. And uh, Judah is, uh, he's likened uh, to a lion, you know, the, the, the lion from the, the tribe of uh, Judah. And, but the people too, uh, in Balaam's poems and Numbers, are called a lion. Israel's a lion, you know, before the nations and gnaws on the bones of uh, all the nations and their enemies around them. Uh, and God is a lion. Uh, likens him to, uh, to a lion. And so you have all of, these, all of these ideas that overlap with kingship and rule, uh, uh, likened to being a lion in the, in the kingship is with, with the nation, but particularly with, uh, with Judah. But then you read things like in the curses of Deuteronomy around 27, 28 or so with the curses. And so so the the nation, their king, they're to be great. They're to be like like a lion. They're to rule over the nations and bring blessing uh, to all the earth. But uh, you and your king will be cast out of the land. What? They and their king are supposed to be, you know, like a, a lion and, uh, and, and subdue the nations and, uh, and also establish blessing in the midst of the earth. And yet, on the other hand, you and your king will be cast out of the land. And Moses says, and when these things come upon you, they're going to happen. You're a stubborn, stiff-necked, and wicked people. God has to establish these things. And, and that's what you see in, in really all of these poems that link it t- together going to the very end of uh, even Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 33, uh, God's going to, he's going to scatter Israel. He's going to give them up uh, when they keep rebelling against him. But ultimately, for the sake of his name, he's going to redeem him. He's the only savior. He's the only, uh, only just judge. He will redeem them for his own name's sake. It's Yahweh who is the only perfect, righteous king and judge and uh, priest and prophet, one who speaks his, speaks his word. And so we'll see this all the way back to the garden uh, where God uh, spoke before the people and he, he commanded with authority. Uh, he, was, he was king over humanity. Uh, he judged in the garden. Uh, he proclaimed his, his word. Uh, and 
when the people rebelled against him, he covered them in garments of skin, not, not leaves. Made atonement for them and forgave uh, their sins. And so from the beginning, God makes atonement. He saves. Uh, he, he justifies. Uh, God is the ultimate priest. He, he makes provision uh, even when he uses, uh, well, Aaron as high priest. Uh, although ultimately, because those sacrifices could never ultimately perfect them, the God-man, uh, Jesus, the anointed. And so let's go to uh, Numbers 11. And we'll just glance back into chapter 10, uh, just to briefly review uh, what we covered last time. And so here, uh, just look at uh, verse 28. And it transitions from them uh, setting out. And so they've been at Sinai uh, for, uh, for a year now, uh, just about. And uh, they had the, the Passover, uh, first month on the 14th day of the, the month. Uh, but then they had another Passover because some were unclean for the Passover and couldn't participate. So a month later, second month, 14th day of the, of the month, uh, there was another Passover for those who couldn't participate uh, in the, the first because they were uh, the unclean. And so God's provision uh, for, uh, for the people. <laughs> and so, you know, after the, the first Passover, they're unclean. He gives them another, you know, opportunity to, uh, to celebrate to remember God's deliverance out of Egypt uh, with the blood of the lamb, uh, the destroyer passing over their houses, and the angel of Yahweh, uh, the, uh, really a Christophany, uh, pre-incarnate uh, Christ, uh, the, uh, the very envoy, uh, the angel, uh, the envoy messenger of Yahweh, who himself is called, uh, sometimes you have, angels or messengers from Yahweh, but when you have uh, the envoy of Yahweh, the angel of Yahweh, or uh, in uh, Greek, angelos, uh, or Hebrew, malach, uh, the, you see that he himself is called Yahweh. He's called God. He's called Elohim. Uh, he accepts sacrifice. He accepts worship. They bow down before him and give him worship because he himself is Yahweh. Yahweh visible who reveals himself. And yet there's, there's distinction, unity within distinction. And so you, you see that all the way from the, from the beginning. You see the, the spirit of Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, the, the angel of Yahweh. And he's even uh, the, the captain of uh, Yahweh's toast. Uh, in, in Joshua. Uh, and so here, people talk about, uh, there, there's kind of idea that, well, uh, Jews were just uh, Unitarians. You know, so monotheistic, but Unitarian in that God is one through and through. One being, one person. He's an absolute unity from, from all eternity. It's, it's a direct denial of the Trinity, uh, that uh, God is 
uh, one in being, but three in person. And so there's this idea, and I think especially following after, after Christ came, uh, in the, the time that followed uh, with uh, the spread of uh, rabbinic Judaism, uh, and the, uh, you, you develop bringing together the Mishnah, the Talmud and such, Jews more and more uh, began to hold to Unitarianism, a denying uh, the, the distinctions within the one God, the, the threeness uh, within uh, the one uh, true living, living God. But when you actually look to uh, the Hebrew Aramaic Bible or Old Testament, you actually see that uh, the threeness within oneness, this uh, distinction within unity all the way back from the beginning. It wasn't something that just came out of thin air or that uh, the apostles invented or that uh, supposedly Constantine got them together and, you know, and we invented the Trinity or, you know. No, it, it goes all the way back to, to the, the Old Testament. And so here now, uh, second, uh, their, their second year uh, coming out of Egypt, second month on the, the 20th day, they set out to go to the promised land, having been constituted as God's people uh, to go to inherit of the land, and they travel three days uh, into the, the wilderness uh, to, to go through to the land now. Uh, so before, out of Egypt into the wilderness to Sinai, now into the wilderness uh, to the, the promised, promised land, up uh, north up to uh, Israel. And look at uh, verse 28, and here we have a tra transition point, and so uh, the people uh, set out by all their groups. This was the order of march of the people of Israel by their companies when they set out. And Moses said to Hobab, and so uh, this is the son of Reuel, the Midianite, uh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, uh, who gave his daughter Moses sojourned uh, so, so long before, uh, all the way back 40 years before when he, he's 40 years old and uh, struck down an Egyptian and had to flee to Midian to the east. Uh, and we saw that Jethro advised Moses in Exodus 18 uh, concerning the judges and then went back to his homeland, now as a believer in Yahweh. Uh, now now he's, a, he's a, a priest of, of Yahweh, uh, but went back to his homeland. Now we see his son, uh, Hobab. Uh, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord, Yahweh, said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will do good to you. For Yahweh has promised good to Israel. But he said to him, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my, my kindred. And he said, Please do not leave us. For you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you go with us, whatever good Yahweh will do to us, the same we will do to you. And so you have this promise uh, to, to Hobab, uh, the son of Reuel or Jethro, 
Right, well, as, as you said, uh, behold, behold God, see, see God. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you corrected me. So, yeah, good, good guy to have around. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, um, but, and so now, Hobab, unlike his father, he, who was a worshiper, and he went back to his homeland as, as a worshiper, and so you have a taste of the promises uh, to Abraham. I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you, and you'll be a blessing to all nations. All nations will be blessed uh, through, through you. But now Hobab goes with them, and he'll later show up in uh, Judges, his descendants, the, uh, the Kenites, uh, and Yael, or Jael, in Hebrew, Yael. And she slays Sisera, the general, in her tent with the tent peg that God uses to deliver through this woman who goes back to the Midianites and the, the clan of maybe the, the Kenites to Jethro. He gave the deliverance through, through her uh, instead of uh, Barak uh, uh, when Deborah was there too. And so there's this, this whole question and issue set up about the hope of, and promises of God's blessing. Uh, and later Midianites at the end of uh, Numbers along with the Moabites, will provoke Israel to rebel. And they'll attack them and such. And they'll be judged. And so there's question, will Israel believe God? Uh, will they uh, walk in faith and trust in him? Uh, will uh, they uh, obey his word uh, by his, his spirit? Uh, and also for the people that went with them. There's a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with them, to follow Yahweh out of Egypt, uh, Israel and uh, Gentiles, uh, the, the nations. And so, uh, verse 33, so they set out from the mount of Yahweh three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of Yahweh went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. Ultimately, God's leading them. And the cloud of Yahweh was over them by day, uh, whenever they set out from the camp. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Yahweh, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Yahweh, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. And so this is how it was in their journeys uh, to uh, the, the promised land. And so, uh, speaking about all the good that Yahweh was to do for them, now we arrive at their first encampment. Three days, and pro probably then fourth day, uh, where uh, when they encamp, uh, generally a day passes unless it indicates uh, more. And so, uh, and the people complained in the hearing of Yahweh about their misfortunes, about their ra. Step tov, good, ra bad, evil, or, or even like mistreatment and such. And so their bad state, their bad condition, uh, and really, and it happened, uh, the people, as they were complaining of the bad uh, that was, was, was happening, you know, their bad state, uh, in the ears of Yahweh, Yahweh heard. As they're complaining uh, along the way, God hears them, and so speaking about the good, and they're on the way to, to the promised land and being delivered out of Egypt, 
Now they're complaining about their hardship and all the, all the bad, their, their bad uh, state uh, in the wilderness. And when Yahweh heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of Yahweh burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to Yahweh and the fire died down. So the name of that place was Taberah because the fire of Yahweh burned among them. Vativar bam esh Yahweh. Vativar and burned bomb among them esh Yahweh, fire of Yahweh. Vativar tabera. And these uh, sounds kind of go throughout. Uh, the, the people were kemit, uh, kemit onanim, uh, ra, beozne, Yahweh, kemit onanim. You have these kind of uh, T sounds uh, in, in English th- uh, th- throughout. They, they were complaining. Kemit onanim, vayishma, Yahweh, and Yahweh heard, vayihar, apo, and his nose, <laughs> literally his, his nose was hot. Uh, we'd maybe say someone's face burns in anger. That's the idea. So his face burned uh, in, in anger against the people. Vativar, uh, and burned uh, among them, uh, the fire of Yahweh. Vatokal, again, the T sounds along the way. It consumed them. It ate them. Vayitzak, and they cried out to Moses. Vayitpalel, and he prayed for them uh, all the way through. It was quenched, and he called it tabera. Uh, and va'ar, or va'ara burned, tabera, it burned among them. And so all throughout, you kind of have the, these word plays, especially with the fire burning them, and all the locations are named after, and even the burning kind of has the sound of ra in it, the evil they were complaining about. And so it's lex talionis, or a god's retributive justice. Uh, the punishment fits the crime against their, their, their complaining about the evil. And so he, he burned them. And you, you have this wordplay on the outlying parts. Uh, and some of these may have been among some, some of, uh, we'll see some of the, the mixed people, some of the Gentiles and the foreigners along the way. And so the places are named after the people's sin uh, and rebellion and grumbling against God after all the good he's done to them. And they're just reminded with the Passover. And they had to pass over twice. Uh, and so now, now coming out, it's going downhill. And now we get to, uh, we, we covered some of this last week, so uh, I'll go fairly quickly through a couple things. And we, we have the class online. And so they uh, cried out to Moses, and the fire died down, it was quenched, and uh, the name of that place was called Taberah because the fire of Yahweh burned uh, among them. Barah, it burned. Uh, and then you get to the very next verse. And the rabble that was among them, you have this mixed multitude, but we'll see the sons of Israel join in. Uh, it's likely that you have uh, some of the Gentiles who are uh, along the way here, because uh, it distinguishes them sometimes from the, the sons of Israel. Now, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. Uh, And so we we saw Taberah, it was named, because of the fire that burned among them. 
hitavu ta'ava. They had a strong craving. So their complaining now spreads to the, the sinful passions in them. And so they're complaining about their bad state. And again, you hear kind of rhyming along the way. Now they're at the place of burning, and now they have a strong craving. Uh, and, and so they're, they're gluttonous, sinful desires uh, that, uh, we'll see, will we'll, uh, consume them. And they were just consumed by, by fire. Uh, but now they have a strong craving. And so uh, verse 4, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing for nothing. Uh, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. And so we begin with the, the people's strong craving here. Uh, uh, we'll see, it's called uh, Kivro Tatava. Uh, their strong craving, uh, and we're, we're going to see that the uh, narrator, uh, Moses, is going to pause things for a moment, and he's going to speak about the, the manna just to slow things down, uh, slow down the narrative. Instead of just telling us what happened next, he's going to give us some background about the manna, show what they're saying is false and wrong. It's not dry, dusty, stale manna uh, that he gave them. It's God's heavenly provision. It's bread from heaven. It's the best you could ask for. Uh, and then it's going to turn to uh, Yahweh and Moses' reaction uh, to the people's strong craving and grumbling about uh, their state and about the manna and preferring to be back in, in Egypt. Uh, and there we'll see a couple interchanges between Moses and Yahweh. Uh, we'll see Moses, each of them are, uh, they're tightly linked. But somewhat initiated by Moses' complaint to God, his lament to God. Uh, and then uh, we'll see Moses' doubt uh, about God's provision for him and for the people. And really for them, his provision is going to be in the form of judgment. And then we'll see the aftermath uh, with Moses and the elders and uh, that he'll uh, appoint to provide to, to support Moses uh, along the way, and we'll, we'll see uh, quail, uh, too. In fact, I, I want to touch on just briefly, we spoke a little bit about the, the quail. I thought about it some more, and that's where you, you have to take time to, to think, and you know, don't take my word as, as the, the last word, uh, but uh, uh, stay God's word and uh, keep, keep learning and test things. But I was thinking about the, the quail, and did they have the manna and the quail the entire time uh, throughout the, the wilderness? And I think if you look back uh, to Exodus 16, where he first provides, uh, you have the quail, uh, and they had the, the quail in the evening, and they had the manna in the, the morning uh, that came with the, the dew. And here we'll see that the manna came in the evening with the dew, but the point is, it was dark, the dew. So it's just how you conceptualize it. And so they had it in the, the morning then uh, with the, the dew. But I think if you, you read, you see that they had manna at that time. Uh, in fact, I think it was the migration season for uh, 
along the time for quail along the, along the, the way uh, after the, the winter months and the, uh, the early months of the, the year uh, that come up from the south and go across like Sinai and Egypt as they're, they're migrating, that it only explicitly says that at the end of uh, 16 that they ate the manna for 40 years in the wilderness uh, until they entered it, the land. So looking back on it all, uh, for 40 years, and you see that also in Joshua too. At the end of the 40 years, they enter the land, and then they eat from the land, and they have like the Passover, and the manna ceases. But it doesn't say that about the quail. And so I think the quail was uh, intermittent, where they had it for a time at that time, also along with migration season. And then at this time too, uh, God providing quail, but as judgment, giving them what they, uh, what they wanted uh, to them. And so I don't think the quail was uh, necessarily constant through the entire uh, 44 years, but was uh, intermittent, and we'll see, they did for 30 days at, at the end of, end of this. And so let's look at the, the people's uh, complaining and their craving uh, that they have. So verse 4, uh, now the, the rabble, this uh, mixed multitude that was uh, among them, had a strong craving. And the people of Israel, so the people of Israel also, or the sons of Israel also, with this, uh, with this rabble, uh, also wept and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Uh, we remember, they kind of expand, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt uh, for nothing, uh, that we ate for nothing. Really? They eat for nothing in, in Egypt when they were enslaved and uh, in slavery and bondage and hard work and uh, Pharaoh increased the work and killed their uh, their newborn sons, exposing them, casting them into the Nile. If it's a son, if it's daughter, let her live. If it's son, kill, kill him. Really? Did they eat for nothing in Egypt where they were oppressed? And go back to uh, Exodus 16. Exodus 16. It's kind of interesting where uh, they first complain about and they're served the, the manna. Uh, in verse 2. And so again, it's the, it's the second month on the 15th day of the first year that they, they were here, and they were here for a week, and they sinned on the Sabbath too uh, when uh, they went out to see if manna was there on the Sabbath, even though God provided them double. And so what we're looking at numbers is a year later uh, and a week and few few days, three, three four days uh, af after this. And the whole congregation, verse 2, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so they sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. 
Now, maybe, that, I don't know, that, that fear doesn't maybe sound quite as, there's still, you know, a great exaggeration about they just came out of Egypt and God has provided for them and delivered them and struck down the Egyptians uh, and provide along the way and uh, with the 70 tamarisk trees and, and the fountains, the, the 12 to provide for them. But okay, meat pots and bread. Now, now go back to Numbers, Numbers 11, meat pots and bread to the full. I mean, still, well, they had pretty good, huh, back in Egypt. But now, with their strong craving, verse 4, and the people of Israel also, uh, also wept and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Sounds a little more than meat pots and bread <laughs> to the full. And it's like there, they're they're already like, we had it good. And it's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And now now it's like maybe the fair, their 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 memory's getting worse the further the they get from Egypt. And they've had manna for a whole year. God's provided for them the quail and water all along the Passover, remembering these things. It's like their memory's getting a little worse along the way. Egypt's, Egypt's getting a little greener and greener the farther they get away from it. And so, and meat, uh, count, meat, one. Uh, we remember the meat. Uh, the fish, two. Uh, we ate in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, three. The melons, four. The leeks, five. The onions, six. The garlic, seven fullness of, of what they, they ate in Egypt. The idea of fullness. Now, uh, but now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Nothing at all. Fullness. Nothing at all. Nothing whatsoever. That's it. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little idiomatic in Hebrew, uh, but... Uh, one, one grammarian in a biblical Hebrew reference grammar, uh, he translates it, there is, nothing, there is nothing at all, only this manna to look at. That's it. For, uh, to the manna, our, our eyes or our sight, you know, that we uh, see, see before us. Uh, and it's not even like true. There's nothing. Really? There's nothing? They could have just said, all we see is this manna. But by saying there's nothing, well, one exception, this manna. It highlights, puts the attention on the manna, that's it, you know. Uh, and so they're, they're really complaining about their state. That's, that's all they've got. And their strength is, is dried up. And so now we have a little, little pause from the narrator. And so we're wondering, is God going to burn them, you know, with fire? What's he going to do? But there's a pause to build up suspense and to refute what they just said. And so, uh, verse 7, about the, the manna. Now, the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of bedellium. It's kind of like a tree resin or maybe, maybe kind of like a sap. And so, maybe kind of orangish, uh, whitish. And uh, something that's uh, fragrant, like spice and such. Uh, the people uh, went about, or they, they go about, uh, and uh, gathered it and ground it in hand mills and beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots 
and made cakes of it, and the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, so over the night, uh, with the dew, uh, the manna fell with it. So this is how it was. And talk about its appearance, is attractive, that it was good, uh, bedellium, things that are desirable uh, to, to have, fragrant incenses and such. Uh, and uh, even the oil, uh, remember seeing a lexicon in a commentary too, that there are a couple words it uses for, for oil uh, right at the end of verse 8. Uh, ketam uh, is the, the taste as uh, shad hashaman. Shaman oil, shad. It's like the, the, the creamiest, best part with uh, fresh, fresh pressed olives. Uh, bring out the, the creamiest, best part of the olives. And then uh, uh, back in uh, Exodus, uh, when they're in, I think it was in the, the wilderness media, Refidim, uh, but he named it uh, Masa testing and uh, Meribah. Uh, Correlate. Taste of honey. And so this is the very best, you know, this is uh, exquisite culinary work, you know, by God. It's, it's bread from heaven. Uh, have any of you had bread from heaven? I mean, you, you might tell, tell your mom, you know, she <laughs> makes some good bread. Mom, this, is, this bread's from heaven, or, you know, but this really is. I mean, it's, it's from God. It's, it's a miraculous provision. And the quail, he, mir- he miraculously provides, but maybe even like in their migration, but you know, he'll bring a wind like along the, the way and he gives them water from the rock and such along the way. But this, this is f- from God uh, providing for them. And so the people are wrong. They're, they're filled uh, to the full and they have what they need. And God's already provided them quail. Could they not ask God to maybe provide them meat if they, if they asked in faith? You know, tr- trusting him and, and not, not, out of, not out of ingratitude for God. Uh, he's provided before. Can, can he not do it again? Uh, in fact, uh, look, at, look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we could also glance at 9, but just, just look at uh, 11. Well, usually we go to 30 after, but if anyone has to leave, that's, that's okay too. And so Deuteronomy 11, uh, verse 8, and there's a very, very similar that unpacks it. Uh, if, uh, later you want to go read in uh, ver- or chapter through chapter 9 itself. And the two kind, kind of echo back as it goes through their journeys and through Sinai and such. So... Uh, you shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, uh, that you, and uh, Moses is teaching and uh, commanding and instructing the people according to God before they enter the promised land. This is the second generation that did not die in the wilderness. Uh, you shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess, and that you may live long in the land that Yahweh swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring a land flowing with milk and honey. Ah, land flowing with milk and honey. They're on their way, you know. They've had the Passover. 
They've had the manna. They've had the quail, water. In fact, they just celebrated the Passover. They had meat at the Passover uh, with their, their livestock and such. And so they're going to a land flowing with milk and honey. They're right on their way. They're not far away. Uh, for the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt uh, from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to uh, possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, from God, uh, a land th that Yahweh your God cares for. The eyes of Yahweh your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And he even goes, goes on, speaks about like if they don't obey and such, uh, the blessings and, and the curses. But here's a land not like Egypt. Egypt, you had to irrigate it from, from the Nile, you know, when it overflow after each year, and you, you had to irrigate it yourself. You didn't get the rain. And God himself, uh, he'll, he'll bless you in the land. He'll bring the rains. He'll make it a lush, fertile uh, place. Uh, and Israel, yeah, uh, places in the hill country today are dry and dusty, and the Dead Sea is, it's evaporating quickly. They're trying to figure out how they can replenish it, maybe from the Red Sea or something. And nothing swims in there, but uh, Ezekiel says uh, that in the, in the kingdom, that it'll be filled with water flowing out from the, the temple that will rejuvenate it. It'll be surrounded with uh, trees that bear their fruit like every month. And... Uh, and not, not just like once a year, and they will fish. Uh, fishermen will gather, gather around it. It'll be full, full of fish. And so they're on their way, not to the land of Egypt, but to a better land, uh, to the, the place that God will plant them. And they're grumbling. They want to go back to Egypt where they ate for nothing, meat and fish and uh, all that for nothing. So in Numbers 11, we'll see God in Moses' reaction. So, uh, verse 9, uh, when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Okay, so something we need to know about this people's grumbling that's going on. And now we find out, all right, what's, what's going to happen? Is God going to just burn the whole lot of them down like he did the fringes on the outside of the camp or, or what? And so... Uh, verse 10, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. So it spread all throughout the, the camp. Uh, this uh, bitterness, this ungratefulness, uh, these sinful passions and desires uh, spread throughout. He's hearing it, he's th hearing throughout the camp, people complaining about their sorry uh, state. Uh, and the anger of Yahweh blazed hotly. So again, uh, his face was inflamed with anger. Uh, or his, uh, his nose became hot in Hebrew, kind of Hebrew idiom. Uh, and the anger of Yahweh blazed hotly. Uh, and Moses was displeased. Or, uvene Moses, and, the eye, and in the eyes of Moses, raw, bad. 
is, is, is bad, uh, it was evil, it was wrong of uh, what was going on. And so sounds like God and his prophet Moses, his representative, they're in sin. They see that this is evil, what these people are doing. Uh, they're complaining at Tabera where they were burned. And now uh, Hitavu, uh, they, they desired uh, Hatava. Uh, they desired uh, a, a desire, a craving. They, they were craving. And, and uh, Moses now sees it as, as bad uh, uh, that's going on. So it seems like they're in sync on this. And so now we'll get to the interchanges with Moses. First, we'll see Moses lament or complain. And let's, uh, let's see what, uh, what the, the evil uh, that Moses sees. Uh, Moses said to Yahweh, why have you dealt ill with your servant? Why have you dealt raw, bad, <coughs> wrongly, mis, uh, mistreated uh, your, your servant? Uh, or it's a similar word for him, the verb. He's mistreated him. He's treated him badly and wrong. Why have you mistreated your servant? Speaking about him. And so he's complaining to God. He's now finding the evil and the blame in God. You're mis I'm mistreated. I have it bad. And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? all laid on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom? Even sounds like when he put your hand in your bosom, uh, your, your garment, folded your robe, pull it out, and his hand was leprous. We gave him the, the signs to give to the people. Uh, and even after they sent Sinai, uh, God says, the people that you brought out of Egypt have sinned, have rebelled. And now Moses is basically, you know, he's, now he's putting the, the onus on, on God. And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land you swore to give to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people. For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my evil, you know, my bad, wretched state. Uh, be, before him. Uh, and even, uh, and if thus uh, you are, are doing to me, or going to do to me, kill me now to kill. Kill me dead. Uh, to, to, to intensify uh, his, his bad state. And when he interceded before the people uh, at uh, Sinai, as uh, one, one commentator pointed out, there, Moses is actually, he's interceding for the people and talking about his faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you'll wipe out this whole people, blot me out as well. But now it's about Moses 
evil, the bad that's come upon him and that God has done to him. And so now he's saying, kill me. He's sounding a little more like the people who are saying, weren't there graves in Egypt that you brought us out into this wilderness to die at the hands of the Egyptians? And and complaining uh, before the the manna, You, you brought this whole congregation, this assembly to die in the wilderness of hunger? Now Moses is calling God to kill him. Sounding a little like Rebecca uh, when she's complaining about uh, the wives of Esau and, and Rachel. And with her, uh, she had, well, you, you have uh, Reuben, uh, Leah had, Reuven, behold his son. And also Leah said that God saw, which maybe even uh, Ra, he saw, looked upon Be'oni, my my calamity, uh, my uh, hardship, my calamity, Be'oni, but then behold the son, see a son, Ben, Be'oni, uh, on my calamity. Well, Rachel says, if you won't give me a child to Jacob, that I, I will die, that she's dying. And after Joseph, give me another son, and later, she did have another son. Uh, after the end of their journey, she had, she named him Benoni, son of my calamity, my misery. And Jacob called him Benjamin, son of my right hand or strength or power. Uh, and so, of my right. Uh, and so, that frames the whole thing. And God, she did die. Give me a son or I will die. She did die in childbirth later. And she even took the idols from her father. And so now Moses saying, just strike me dead. If you're going to treat me this way, just kill me now. And uh, maybe he's lamenting, but uh, maybe God will give him what he wants. And later, Moses will strike the rock twice in anger. You won't enter the land. Go on to the mountain, you know, like Aaron, your brother, and die. He can't, can't enter. And so he, he's complaining now. Uh, he's seeing his wretchedness. And he was just speaking about, you remember with Jethro uh, before Mount Sinai, uh, the, the, the son of Hobab, or the father? He recounted to Hobab all the good that God had done for him. All the good he had done for his people Israel. But looking back to his deliverance and his salvation and his sons, Gershom, because I'm a, I'm a foreigner. A gear in a strange land. And, but then uh, Eliezer, God, God has, has helped. You know, God, God my helper, who, who helped him in, in his trouble. Uh, looking back to all these things, recounting all the good. And then with Hobab saying, God has promised all this good. Looking forward. He's just telling Hobab all the good that God has promised them uh, to, uh, to Israel. And so... What God has already done, what he's going to do. And now Moses is just speaking about the evil, the bad that he has. How bad he has it uh, with the the people uh, there grumbling. And so now we will see uh, God's uh, response and his uh, provision. You know, you you could strike them down or or judge them, but we'll we'll see his provision of the 70 elders that the Spirit will come upon for Moses and of... uh, quail for the people, but a provision of judgment for the people. And so, verse 16, Then Yahweh said to Moses, 
Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know uh, to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you, God's spirit, and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And so, was Moses alone? Was anyone with him before this? Well, God was with him. I'll be with you. Uh, he gave him his name. Uh, he gave him the signs, the staff. I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you Aaron. He'll be with you. I'll be with his mouth. And he also had the, the, some of the judges uh, and the elders of the, of the people. Uh, when Jethro gave him godly, wise uh, advice. And there are even people like, well, the, the priests and uh, Aaron, his brother, and uh, some of his sons and uh, the craftsmen, Bezalel and uh, Hur and uh, Joshua. There were people with him. But now God, in his grace, in his mercy, in his kindness, he makes provision for Moses. So he, he's going to give them these uh, uh, Choose out the, the uh, 70 uh, elders and people who are officers uh, among the, the people, the tribes and their clans and such. And I'll take some of the spirit that's upon you. God's spirit is, is empowering spirit and presence. And I'll put it on them. They'll bear the burden with you. And now, what about for the people? Is a uh, provision for the, the people. And say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. And you shall eat meat. For you have, sounds pretty good so far. Uh, for you have wept in the hearing of Yahweh, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. And who will give us meat to eat? <laughs> They're not even calling upon God. You know, just anyone, you know, come on. Some, someone, give us some, some meat. Uh, for it, it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, Yahweh will give you meat and you shall eat. <laughs> Still maybe, uh, okay, you're maybe questioning now, but okay, they're going to get what they want, right? Right? Uh, verse, verse 19. All right, so what's this meat they're going to be eating? Uh, you shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils, and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected Yahweh who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? Mm -hmm. uh, or even uh, why this? Uh, we came out from, <laughs> from Egypt. Why, why have we uh, come out from, uh, from Egypt? Uh, and even there uh, where it says uh, they, they shall eat odd, uh, hod, uh, odd until odd chodesh yamin, until month of days, adasher yetze, until it comes out me'apechem, from your nostrils. And they, they were complaining before the face of Yahweh. Uh, and so his nose became hot, or his face, you know, red, red hot. Uh, so, it's judgment that they deserve uh, uh, before him complaining about meat before his, before his very face. Uh, because 
uh, you have rejected Yahweh, who is in your midst, Bekir Bekem. Not Bekem, Bekir Bekem, who's in your midst. He's in their very midst. Uh, not just Yahweh, but the one who's among them, who's provided for them, who's delivered uh, them, and they've complained before him, and so now they will eat meat for a month. And so, uh, verse 21, uh, second interchange. And Moses, instead of just getting the elders, hearing it, he reacts, not in belief, but doubt. Uh, but Moses said, uh, verse 21, uh, Moses said, uh, the people among whom, among whom I am number 600,000 on foot. Uh, ESV better uh, is uh, the, uh, the people were uh, 600,000 on foot. So the people uh, who are 600,000 on foot, uh, whom I am in, in the midst. I'm in, I'm in its midst. Uh, so this people, I'm in their midst, you know, among this great multitude. Uh, and that's just the men, not women and children. You know, the 600,000 on, on foot. Uh, probably people who uh, grown and even soldiers and such. But, uh, uh, and you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month? Uh, shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them? And it be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them? And it be enough for them? <laughs> and so all the flocks and herds, we have all the fish of the, uh, the, the sea, this great multitude for a whole month, really? Well, God has just provided manna for <laughs> over an entire year in the Passover and the quail before and delivering them out of Egypt. And so... He's first to, to react in just kind of consternation, just humanly looking at this, even at, right after the Passover, remembering how in the world were you, uh, can they eat meat for a whole month? Where's this going to come from? And so he doubts. And so he complains, laments, and now doubts God. He's complaining, kind of, kind of like people. And we'll see uh, next week that Miriam and Aaron will be uh, complaining uh, as well. Uh, and so, verse 23, and Yahweh said to Moses, is Yahweh's hand shortened? Uh, is Yahweh's hand shortened or, or too, too short? Uh, now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. You know, too short that he can't act or, or reach or do uh, this thing. And something speaks about his arm and giving deliverance and salvation uh, metaphor, a picture of deliverance. And so now you shall see whether my word will come true or not. So he's going to show Moses uh, after he doubted. And so now we see the aftermath. First, uh, the judges, provision for Moses, and then the people. Provision of judgment for the people. So Moses went out and told the people the words of Yahweh, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then Yahweh came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue to do so. And so they prophesied. Uh, they made 
proclamation. Uh, when the Spirit of God comes upon the people, uh, they proclaim the Word of God. Uh, they speak in accord uh, of, of God's character, uh, His will, uh, what He's revealed. Uh, they speak about His person, His work, His deliverance, His salvation, His, his promises, uh, his, his covenants, His faithfulness. Uh, and so they prophesy when the Spirit comes upon them instead of grumbling and complaining about all of the, the, the evil. Uh, and the, the people earlier were commit on the name. They were uh, complaining. Uh, and they hitavu hatava craved a, a, a craving. Uh, and now uh, they it's, uh, let's see verse end of 25 in Hebrew Vaitnabu uh, Vaitnabu uh, they uh, now prophesy instead of complaining commit on the name Vaitnabu and so they, they were prophesying and uh, we'll be seeing this again and so God's provision for the people, and this is part of it. Uh, Jethro gave wise, godly advice for uh, judges and people to be taught by God, and now God gives 70 elders in particular and puts his spirit upon them. Uh, just as he empowered Moses uh, and Aaron and the craftsmen and Bezalel and making, giving the people generosity for contributing to the tabernacle, now this people will help and bear it with Moses. And so uh, we'll see uh, Moses, he's God's prophet par excellence, but there are others, uh, other prophets, you know, in, in, uh, in Israel at this time. And so now verse 26. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad uh, and the other named Medad. And the spirit rested on them. Uh, they were among those registered, written down, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. Uh, and just how it's worded, uh, it's probably, they're, they're probably from the 70. Some wonder if it's 72, because then you'd have six for each of the 12 tribes. But just how it's worded, it seems they come from the same men, the same group. They're written down. But for some reason, they didn't come out to the uh, to the, the tent. Uh, they were still still in the camp. Uh, but Spirit found them and came upon them. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, you can't, can't hide from God. So uh, they were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. Uh, and so they prophesied uh, in the camp. Uh, in the, in, they prophesied in the, the camp. Uh, now in the midst of the people, not in the tent where the people, people are grumbling and complaining about their sorry lot. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, my Lord Moses, stop them. Stop them from prophesying. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people, all Yahweh's people were prophets, that Yahweh would put his spirit on them. And so they're jealous. They're like, this is wrong. What are they doing not out at, at the tent? 
Uh, the young man, <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, Eldad and Medad are, are prophesying in the camp. Oh no, this is terrible. This is bad. <laughs> what are they up to? <laughs> Stop them. And Joshua, uh, my Lord, Moses, <laughs> he calls him Lord, Master. <laughs> In deference, uh, uh, God's great prophet, his spokesman, you know, over Pharaoh and Aaron, you know. <laughs> Moses, if you didn't give the go-ahead, stop them. This isn't right. you you got to give them, you know, the green light for this. But listen to Moses' reaction. He complained. He lamented about God's mistreatment of him. He doubted God's provision that he, he could provide. But now... In humility, and we see he's foolish with Jethro, but in humility, he recognizes Joshua, young man. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all Yahweh's people were prophets, that Yahweh would put his spirit upon them, upon all of them, that they would proclaim God's word, that instead of grumbling, they would speak in accordance with God uh, and his character, his word, speak about his salvation and promises. Uh, good news, you know, uh, what, what, uh, all that God has, has promised and, and done for them. And so this is what we need. You know, would that all God's people were prophets. In fact, that's the promise in the, the new covenant. And you see even Joel, uh, that to all of God's people, he'll circumcise all their hearts who are truly his people. He'll regenerate them. He'll give them new life. He'll put his spirit in them. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, you know. Uh, and even says that you, they will no longer say to one another, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. They'll be taught of God. And so even Paul says, uh, you can all prophesy one by one. Uh, uh, the, the word of God, applying it, uh, what God has revealed uh, in his word, giving timely application from his word, making proclamation. And so you see that fulfillment in the new covenant. Yeah, I was, it reminded me, because I think it was John the Baptist that said, are you jealous for my sake when, it, when they were baptizing mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than him? I think he used that phrase. Yeah. And it just reminded me of, you know, Moses. He must the, increase, I must dis- decrease. Yeah, you know, and uh, that, I mean, just thinking of how Moses said a prophet will rise like me, listen to him, and then also the, you mentioned the 70, which they're debating is 72. And I know it says the same debate over the 70 that Jesus chose. Yeah, yeah. You see the 12, the 70, uh, all, all, that, all that, that symbolism. Uh, and that uh, God even says that I will make you jealous with a foolish nation, with those who are not a people. Lo and behold, he brings Gentiles and uh, Israelites uh, in the assembly of the redeemed in this age. But at the end of the age, he's going to redeem a great national remnant. And you have the 24th, at the end of Revelation, united uh, in, uh, in Israel. Uh, but also with, uh, do you remember the disciples? Uh, some of them were called sons of thunder. Uh, John going before. Uh, uh, Lord, someone's, you know, casting out demons and, and uh, speaking. And they're, uh, they're not... Uh, they're not with us or whatever, you know, they don't, they don't have like our permission or whatever. He's <laughs> like, wh- whoever's, uh, uh, whoever's not against you is for you. <laughs> you know? And so they're, they're jealous, you know, over this. And you, you probably have believers and disciples and such 
uh, but they're not with the 12 and whatever, uh, and so they, they kind of have the same, same attitude. Uh, and we won't be able to deal with all this, but let's just read to the end. So God's provision for Moses, and then we'll uh, finish this uh, next week also with uh, Miriam and Aaron, and they're closely connected too. And so in verse 30, and Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. He has backup now. He has, he has support uh, that God has given of now uh, with, with his, his spirit. And so Moses and the elders uh, returned to the camp. Then a wind, so uh, God, uh, he took some of the ruah uh, that was upon Moses, the spirit, and put it upon them. And now a wind, ruah, wind, comes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming. Uh, here can, John, good to meet you. You'll be back next week? Oh, good, good. Yeah, look forward to it. And we're, we're in room 317, I believe, next week. I'll, I'll uh, send, send you an email. So I think it's probably that way. God bless. I'll just read to the end of the chapter and... And we'll just close in prayer. And so here again, a, a ruah. And a lot of times it's a wordplay because sometimes you'll see wind come and it, God acting miraculously, providentially, it shows God is providentially acting and working in present to bring this about. And so you see similar things in, in the garden and such where there'll be kind of a play between these things. So uh, then a uh, ruah from Yahweh sprang up and they brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp. About a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. And the people rose all that day and all that night and all the next day, all that day, all that night, all the next day, it's likely it's on the Sabbath. Uh, we'll talk about that more. <coughs> Uh, and gathered the quail. Uh, those who gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp, while the meat was yet between their teeth. Before it was consumed, the anger of Yahweh was kindled against the people, and Yahweh struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called Kivrot Hatava, graves of craving. Kivrot graves Hatava, of craving, because there they buried the people who had had the craving. From Kivrot Hatava, the people journeyed to Hazarot, and they remained at Hazarot. And so judgment came upon upon the the people. And so, uh, any last thoughts or? Questions? All right. Uh, we'll we'll uh, finish this up uh, next week, Lord willing. Let's just pray. Holy Father, I thank you for your word and uh, thank you for uh, your presence, your pres provision, your blessing and faithfulness uh, for, for your people, uh, even in the wilderness. Uh, and uh, even for, for Moses, uh, when uh, he 
complained and doubted your provision, while you still were, were faithful and gracious and patient and long-suffering before him. And I pray that we wouldn't have grumbling hard hearts, that we wouldn't have sinful pa passions and desires and cravings that would uh, rule over us, uh, that we would follow them, uh, that they would consume us and uh, lead us to complain against you and be um, ungrateful people. But I pray that by your spirit that you'd make us uh, thankful, grateful people and that we would trust in you, uh, in your provision and goodness and blessing and all your salvation and uh, righteousness uh, in, in your son. Uh, we thank you for him. Uh, we thank you for uh, his substitutionary death and his burial and resurrection and uh, sunshine at your right hand. And we thank you that we have a, uh, a greater uh, priest and king and judge and prophet, uh, one who intercedes for us and even uh, bears and washes away all our sins. And so uh, we give you all the thanks and glory and pray in his name. Amen.